Freelancing for Journalists is sponsored by The Tax Farm, the accountancy service dedicated to freelancers, the self-employed and small business owners. Imagine no more end-of-year panic or nasty tax surprises. The Tax Farm can't promise that they'll make you less busy, but they can promise to take away the grind of bookkeeping, freeing you up to do what you do best. With a simple fixed fee, they make hiring an accountant easy. They're also offering our listeners an exclusive 15% discount with the code FFJ15. You want to find out more? Then head to thetaxfarm.co.uk. and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists, the podcast that tells you everything you need to know about working for yourself. I'm Lily Cantor, a freelance money, health and lifestyle journalist. And I'm Emma Wilkinson, a freelance journalist specialising in health and medicine. So we're recording this on a Monday. So I'm going to ask you, have you managed to have a relaxing weekend? Well, I can't say that I didn't do any work <laughs> this weekend. Does that ever happen? No. I don't think so. Um, but yes, I mean, I guess so. I think I've realised how much that I use running to decompress and kind of get out of work mode because I haven't been able to run this weekend because I walked into a door frame, um, so, and I really missed it. I kind of made myself go out for slow walks. I think you need that time to kind of get out and about. What about you, Lily? Yeah, I was pretty good this weekend, actually. I didn't look at my phone too much. Um, I think Mark, my husband, only told me off once (laughs) for being on my phone too much. Um, So I do feel like I I did manage to step away. um, And I think I'm getting a little better at that. Probably because I worked most evenings last week, <laughs> catching up on everything. So I had a bit more space at the weekend. And I think it's important to have that break. So is, Yeah, is 2021 the year when we're actually going to get the hang of this work-life balance business? I don't know. I Maybe. don't know. Okay, shall we move on to our topic this week, which is what commissioning editors want? Yes, so we have two commissioning editors with us here this week and we're going to put them in the hot seat and get the inside scoop on what they're looking for in a pitch or in a freelancer who's working for them and most importantly how not to annoy them. Yes, so first we're going to do our top tips and I'm going to kick off. So my top tip really and this is I guess more about pitching but also getting in contact um, is to be succinct. I think we all realise that editors are very busy. They get inundated with emails. Um, The last thing they want, I assume, is to read a lot of full. So I would say always get to the point as soon as you can whenever you're getting in contact with them. Yeah, absolutely. And that can be quite hard, can't it, when you've kind of researched an idea and you've got lots of thoughts about it in your head to kind of really boil that down to the kind of shortest possible pitch um, but it is necessary so um, my tip would say I would say to be reliable so I'm always really surprised the number of times an editor has said to me that they're kind of really grateful for what I've done or that you know it's nice that 
they could trust me to get something done. And I think, well, it's lovely to get those compliments, but who was not doing that? That I'm all, That's what I'm surprised by. But saying that, I was thinking back to my first job and I worked on a medical journal and I did some commissioning of the news and reviews pages. And there were actually lots of times where a journalist had accepted a commission and then on the day of deadline said, oh, sorry, that didn't work out. Or just went AWOL completely, kind of leaving me to suddenly write something to fill in that space. Um, and I think we can all guess who I didn't go back to the next month when I had those pages to fill. So I, it does happen. So it may seem really obvious to say be reliable, but I think maybe it does need saying. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It does surprise me as well how kind of the basics of like meeting a deadline. Um, some people just don't seem to be able to grasp that or something falls through and they so they run away and hide rather than kind of come up with a solution for it. Anyway, um, I think it's a good time to introduce our guests and hear their take on this. With us this week, we have Lisa Batchelor, who's been Deputy News Editor of The Observer for the past five years. She's worked at the newspaper for more than 15 years, originally as money, money editor, then a consumer news reporter. Hi there, Lisa. Hiya. Um, and we also have Jamie Kafasht. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Emma. Hi. hi. Uh, Jamie has been editor of Pulse, the number one magazine for GPs since April uh, 2018. He started off there as a senior reporter in September 2012 uh, after having worked in the accountancy press. Um, I do know Jamie quite well as I do lots of work for Pulse, so I'm hoping that he's only going to say nice things. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Lisa, can we start with you? Um, we we always start with our top tips. So I wonder what your key bit of advice would be for a freelancer who's wanting to get in touch with you with a pitch. Uh, well, my top tip, it might sound like an obvious one, but I, I really feel like so many freelancers who contact me don't, don't actually uh, do the due diligence beforehand, which is to read the paper. Because I feel like... There's, there's quite a lot of people who get in touch with good ideas, but they're, they're often either ideas that we've done or they're ideas that don't really fit with the sorts of things that we do. So, I mean, not just looking back at what we've covered, but also just getting to know the, the, the bits. I mean, I only commission on news, but it, the news it, itself is divided into three sections, which is home, world, and then we have a focus section, which is the sort of newsy features, which are sort of topical for that week. So I, I feel like quite often people pitch without even having looked at what the slots are. So it would be my top tip would be to have a really good look across the newsroom, see how it's structured. If you can get hold of, I don't know if people use Clipshare and things like that, but if you can look back on the sort of last six weeks of the paper, look at the things that made a really good page three. What sort of things do we like? Page three is 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 not the as it sounds in the old style page three, but it's it tends to be where for for I don't know people who don't maybe are not familiar with it, it's the sort of um, often artsy or cultural kind of newsy. It's our sort of lovely read that we want to you know right hand page that we want to draw people in with after the sort of headline news. So it's a really good slot. It's, you know, it's done in house a lot. It's often done by freelancers though. So it's kind of familiar familiarize yourself with what sorts of things we like in those slots, and then even. If you wanted to go into more detail, you know, if you really want to get into the paper, there's things like we have um, in the news run, like demi spreads, which are across the spread, but half the page at the top. 
which tend to be the drop intro sort of colory news pieces. So if you familiarise yourself with the sort of pace of the paper and what sort of things we're looking for, it honestly makes a massive difference to what you're then pitching. Even if you don't name the specific slot, I think this would be good on da-da-da. It just, it would give you a familiarity with what's needed. Yes, and I imagine that really jumps out to you, even if a freelancer hasn't said, you know, I envisage this piece for a certain slot, that just will come through in their pitch if they know. I think that's right. I mean, you know, hats off to them if they say, I think this would be be a good focus read, because you think that would be an obvious thing that people would say, but but I'd say 95% of freelancers don't. But if you're actually pitching for a focus page, which is the newsy features rather than an actual news slot, and if you say, I was thinking this might make a good focus read, it's something as simple as that. And you think, oh, right, so you do, you know how the structure of the, the observer works. And that makes a big, big difference um, to, to us, really. So, yeah, it, 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 you don't have to name it. But, it, you know, if you do, it obviously shows that you've, you've been been reading it. Or if you reference something, I thought it might work a bit like that piece you did three weeks ago on XYZ. I mean, to me, that's a tick in the box that you've read the paper, basically. So it's, it sounds simple, but it's not it doesn't often happen. Yeah, no, it's re- it's really interesting to kind of see what that looks like from your end. That's really useful advice. Thanks, Lisa. And um, Jamie, what would um, be um, your bit of advice? So you sometimes have journalists come in and do a freelance shift, although these days that would be virtually. Um, kind of what's your top tip for getting invited back? Well, I think my top tip would be a simple one. Make life easy for your editor, your news editor especially. So um, when I say that, I mean... When we when we've got junior reporter or anything, you know, we we think about career development. You know, we think about what they need to be doing to progress. You know, we'll give them a day or two to get their head in order, etc. For freelance, all we want is someone to come in, write clean, reliable copy, and help us out, basically. So um, when I say that, I think uh, I think the first thing is something that you touched on before was uh, the clean copy. I mean, to to not have to edit a, a, a news story for me, that's that makes my life so much easier. That, that's just fantastic. I don't want to, I don't want to have to make uh, sorry sort out grammatical errors or spelling errors, and sort of something you touched on earlier, Emma. That happens so often as well. You know, we do get freelancing that just don't aren't able to write particularly cleanly. So I think that's the first thing I'd say. Um, second thing I would say, and this might be quite surprising, but often when we're particularly busy. Um, the thought of having a freelance in the next day actually makes me really panic and nervous because we need to think of things for them to do. And this is more workload. And to remove that would be a massive thing for a freelancer for me. So to come in, um, a simple tip would be to come in with some ideas. It might be that none of them work out, but just to know that you've been thinking about that and have been thinking that there is this will make life easier for my editor, that is such a big tick in the box. That will almost guarantee that you'll come back as well um so uh, i'd also say say this might sound very odd but sometimes get it can be quite tough if we've got someone who's too speedy you know so somebody's just churning out articles churn out stories at, uh, at a rate of one per half hour brilliant but also it does generate a little bit more work for us so that can be that can be quite off putting at times i wouldn't say that's necessarily something that you do to try and slow yourself down when you get in there but just keep that in mind it all comes down to what is going to make life easy for the for the editor it might be useful to ask if they've got a particular deadline that they that you want a story by and then work to that and actually work towards that deadline potentially even go up to that deadline yeah because um, i mean if they're turning things around particularly fast do you also does that make you suspicious that they're not doing 
the kind of asking enough questions, doing the due diligence, like yeah. checking the story out. Definitely. Sometimes that's definitely the case. Sometimes it's just that they're just incredibly efficient. And this is only just the channel, uh, uh, you know, journalism that we are just trying to get a story out very quickly. It might be that. But yeah, often when we've got sort of like a bigger piece, a lead story for the newsletter that day. Yeah, we would expect a little bit more time. And if I was to receive that within half an hour, I'd be very, very concerned about that. Um, the other thing, get queries in early because that's the thing that will always mean that you're missing deadlines. So if you need to speak to, in our, our case, uh, the DH or NHS England, get those queries in straight away. Um, make sure that we've given them enough time um, to respond, because that is always a thing that takes long. It, it's, it's getting that back from them. And if we've given somebody a whole day to respond to us, given a government organisation a whole day to respond to us, then, you know, that's fair enough. We've done that. We've done our due diligence there. Um, something that's been picked up on, I'm sure it comes up all the time in your um, in your podcast, is to flag up any problems early. No problem. We've got no problem with problems, if that makes sense. There always will be issues coming up. But as long as we know about that early, we can plan. If I'm told at 10.30 that there is a problem with this story, that actually uh, I'm not sure if these figures quite stack up, that's fine. That's fine. At least I know early. I don't want to be told that at 4 o'clock, 4.30 when the deadlines come in. Um, and just a couple more sort of tips just for, especially when doing news stuff. Um, something that I would suggest would make me get a freelance comeback every single time is if they were to ask whoever you're speaking to just ask at the end something i'd say to all reporters is there anything else that we should be covering is there anything else that we should know we get so many exclusive stories like that if a freelancer can do that with a very simple sentence at the end of your chat then again there's at the, you're absolutely going to be put to the top of the freelance roster um so uh yeah final thing i would say and this is all it's all the same sort of theme is to uh, send copy with gaps if needs be Again, as long as it's flagged up early, I'd rather see a piece that has got the gaps, that's flagged up early, said, we know this is coming, but it's not going to be coming till five o'clock. I'd much rather have that than just not receive anything, um, as long as it's, again, flagged up early. So I think it all comes down to the same thing, theme. Make life easy for your editor, because that's why they brought you in, is to help out with the sort of legwork that day. And that's why they brought you in. So make life easy. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the number of times I've sent you copy with the space of NHS England comment to go here <laughs> in the hope that there might be one at some point, maybe. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to have a template saying NHS England was approached for comment and put it just on every single news story from now. <laughs> Make life a little bit easier for us. Yeah. Um, Lisa, what makes, what makes a pitch stand out to you? What kind of should we be doing as a matter of course or by extension? not doing when we yeah. pitch an idea to you well both of those are, are very important I mean I think you touched on this already Emma but um sort of brevity is one of the things so I know it's so obvious but it's still something that I think people get wrong and it is difficult because like you were saying earlier if you've got loads of good material and you've really researched a, a piece which is actually what we want when people pitch something to us and not a sort of half-baked idea it's really difficult not to include all of that but essentially what we want is to be able to whiz through all the pictures we get to see really clearly straight away what the story is. And it's particularly important, I mean, I think with news, and I've, I've got a features background as well, I used to commission for features, but with news, what, what you want to know is what the editor will then ask me when I say, this is, the, this, is what we're, this is what's in the newsroom this week. And he'll say to me, what's the top line? What's the top line of the story? It sounds so obvious, but I think sometimes people 
picture load of, so I think this is really interesting and I found this out about, and I could talk to this person and you read it and go, yeah, that could be, but what's the, what's the actual story? What's the, what is it that I'm listing it as on my, on my news list? You know, the news editors every week have to do a news list. And then obviously in, in those translate into headlines, it's like, what, what is that? So that would be keep the actual pitch brief. Don't put in all, all the detail, keep some stuff back, put in your main stuff. And quite often I like it when pitches come with almost like, um, like almost like a head sort of, it doesn't not has to, doesn't have to be the headline, but a headline sort of list line attempt, or at least a kind of like, what would be the stand for sort of thing. So you can just see it really clearly because then, then you want to read what follows that afterwards, but you want to know as soon as you open the pitch. So what is it that someone is trying to sell me here? basically so I think that that's really key and then and then to put into the pitch like these are the people I propose speaking to I always think that's quite good to say I'd, I'd speak to the three people I propose speaking to would be somebody from x somebody from y and a case study that showed z sort of thing something like that so I think those are really important and I'd say one sort of really big thing and it's very difficult to do because you almost need to know the paper really well and, and be pitching all the time and know a news editor I think to get to know this but what sort of things are we as a paper not missing but that we struggle to get in more so and one easy hit on that I think is if you're a freelancer who isn't based in London mm -hmm. and you're based somewhere else in the country I mean we've got a, a, a northern office but you the, you know the north's quite big I say that as somebody who comes from there and there's there's always opportunities to get stories in that you might have noticed locally that that could extend to not be just a local story maybe it's a theme or maybe it's a brewing row or something like that so I always think if there's something on your patch and it doesn't have to be your specialism but your local patch that's a really good starting place because even though we send reporters out, we can't cover the whole of the country. So just have a think about that when you're thinking of ideas. They don't just have to be ideas relating to your specialism if you have one. They could be ideas relating to where you live, for example. And I wonder as well if there are any like big no-nos, because I know we often kind of give advice about not attaching a completed story, not attaching huge photo files like, with a pitch. Um, are those kind of things that are kind of automatically? I think that's spot on. Limited. I think don't don't attach don't attach a draft. Basically, I mean, not even really. Don't even write the first paragraph. Although I guess if the first paragraph is your summary of the piece and you're just going to make a couple of points after that, that's okay. But but don't don't attach anything. Only attach a only attach pictures if they add to your pitch. So if you're trying to describe something and the, the piece is very visual and you're saying, so this is the, this is the sort of picture I imagine, then attach a picture. But that's obviously very rare and I can't think of an example where I've come across that, but it's just, I'm not against that idea, but otherwise don't attach anything. <laughs> if, 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 if you're someone that I don't know, don't assume I know you, if that makes sense. I mean, if you can give a little summary or a link to your website, then do do that. Don't say things like, this is a bit like a story that was in the Times last week, but it takes it on a bit. I mean, it sounds really obvious, but you have to sell the thing that you're doing. So I'm going to have a look in cuts whether something's been done before. And obviously you should have already done that before you pitch, but I, I'm going to look. So it's, it's probably better not to mention if it's similar to something. If I then come back to you and say, well, the Times did do this, something like this, then you need to be able to say why it is that this is different. But by all means, sell this to me as something that hasn't been written about before or is being written about in a very different way. Sometimes I think people slightly undersell themselves or what they're doing. So 
you know, big up what you're doing, really. Yes. I mean, how common is it for you to get those pictures that say, um, you know, I would like to do a piece on such and such, but there's no, they've obviously not done, it's just an idea that they've had, they've done no research about, you know, what that would be or, you know, any initial chats with anybody or I'd like to collect some figures on this, but they haven't actually, actually collected the figures. Yeah, that is quite common. Although it's, sometimes it's not just that people have got an idea and they're just floating it. I think it's just sometimes that people, and it's, it sounds obvious that you wouldn't do this, but it's actually quite tricky sometimes. I think sometimes people comp- confuse features and news. <clears throat> I don't think it's, it's, I mean, it's obvious to me from doing the job for a while, but I wouldn't have said it was obvious to me when I wasn't a news journalist. Sometimes it's easy to think something is news and actually what you're really pitching is a a feature that's topical. It's not actually a news story. So I think it's more that that happens. People say, oh, I think this is really interesting and I can go out and do that. And if that's you think, as I said before, it's like, but what what is it that you, what's your news line? So obviously I'm talking, you know, from the point of view of a news editor and they might be fantastic feature pitches. So I wouldn't put them down, but it's just that you just have to obviously be thinking carefully about that if you are specifically pitching for news. So... I think that happens more than people not really having thought about what they want to do as such. And one t- re- one good tip, and it does happen, is make sure that you actually know the newspaper you're pitching to and don't say, I thought The Independent might like this story. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that happens at least once a, once a month where someone forgets to um, have deleted the paper and reinserted it with the one they actually want to pitch to. So do, do read over your pitch a few times just to make sure that you haven't made It's fine, to, obviously, to pitch lots of publications. That's what I'd expect people to do. But just remember to have changed the name. <laughs> proofread your pitch yeah exactly yeah (laughs) good point and Jamie I mean let's say you've commissioned a freelancer it might be for an investigation you want or your cover feature and you've provided a brief so what now kind of what are your expectations say they hit problems on that at what point should they come and tell you that how much would you expect them to problem solve themselves yeah, so that's a really good question. So I would expect a problem to be uh, to someone to write, raise the problem with me straight away as soon as they find out the problem. Um, then we can talk about it together. We can try and problem solve together. Um, actually, Emma, you're really good at this uh, problem solving yourself. And I think very, I don't I think there's so few freelancers that I think have done that. But that's not necessarily a problem. If someone was to problem solve themselves, that'd be perfect. But if it was just to raise a problem and potentially come up with some solutions, great. But even even without that, as long as they speak to me about this straight away, then I'm fine with it. Then we can talk about it together. Now, being from a trade magazine. Um, we are far more niche, obviously, and as a result, you know, we have far more expertise in an area on this. So it is more likely that we're going to be able to come up with solutions than freelancers themselves. Um, so I would suggest as long as we know about it early, that's absolutely fine. Um, in terms of features and investigations and stuff, one thing that I think pretty much 95% of freelancers fail on is the extra stuff, the boxes. Um, now, looking back when I was a when I was um, a freelancer myself, I was bad at this as well. So I can understand it, but it's such a big thing for an editor to have these the um, extra boxes uh, for a feature to have been sorted. So, you know, a little advice piece or a little comment piece on the side. Um, if a freelancer was to be able to do this, provide this, that's such a big thing for me. That to me suggests that this is someone that we should be using over and over again. And Emma, again, is something that you're very good at as well. So um, I think that to me would be my suggestion for features and investigations, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, it's, you know, 
head's getting really big right now. <laughs> but I think because I've worked with Pulse for so many years, you know, I was a staff reporter there. That was one of my early jobs. So, you know, I kind of have that background knowledge to be able to problem solve. But I think, um, I guess the, the thing in for everybody, even if you don't know how to solve that problem is not to kind of bury your head in the sand and panic. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which it does happen a lot as well. It does happen quite a lot. But as I said, I, I the problems come, problems arise, you know, that's what makes journalism great. That there is, you know, that it is mucky and you need to untangle stuff. So problems will arise, but it's just up to you to make sure that the editor knows about this as soon as they have come up. And if you just start writing your feature three days before deadline, obviously that makes it a lot harder to, to untangle these problems. So, you know, that's always always uh, a good tip to start it early but you know i know what i know what life is like you know you do come up to deadline but as soon as you find out that problem um raise it and one thing i've always wondered about lisa is um just how many pitches do you actually get in any given week um i'd say ballpark would be about 15 stories a week I mean that's okay. not a world that's just home news I'd say and obviously that's only to me because there's there's always two of us on plus the deputy editor of the paper also get sort of pitches in on news so there's three of us effectively that people are pitching to and the editor gets some news pitches as well so just speaking about my inbox I'd say that would be a typical week something like that 12 to 15 pitches so I'm not I'm not kind of flooded but I don't want to be either. So. <laughs> I mean, a, a lot of what we do really is a lot of stuff. We generate ideas ourselves for things that we want to be covering and then contact freelancers to, to do it for us. So, but I mean, that's not to say that that's the ideal. And if there were more ideas coming our way, that would, that would also be good. I mean, I guess there's a point where you just get deluged and then you just stop reading them. So to me, it's like, that's a manageable load. And that's kind of what I want, what I want really. Um, and, and lots of those are from existing freelancers who sort of pitch every week anyway. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, is there a good day of the week or time of day if someone wants to ensure that you, you do read their pitch? I think that's a good question because I think that's something that everybody should find out whoever they're pitching to, because there always will be. I mean, for us being a Sunday paper, we work Tuesday to Saturday. So we start thinking about early ideas on a Tuesday we have a meeting where we tell the editor early ideas of things that we would like to do or things that have been pitched to us that we think might work so Tuesday's the sort of first opportunity and then Wednesday for example on our paper we tend to sort out the focus pages which are those featurey ones that are sort of new, got a news hook to them their features those we sort of start sort out on a Wednesday but it doesn't mean that they're incompletely done but always by a Wednesday there's always flexibility the, the time not to pitch is obviously a Friday I'd say unless it's something that's happening on Saturday because obviously we cover a lot of live stuff on Saturday if there's an event that someone's pitching for that they'd like to go to or there's something that's a rolling story during the week and they've got a, a fresh take on it which sometimes you obviously can't get until the end of the week I mean that's how we work internally with our reporters all the time that we're you know, not doing stuff until Fridays and Saturdays but more generally speaking I'd say freelancers are better off don't tend to pitch those sorts of pieces although it's fine if they do but they tend to pitch stuff that's not quite as time sensitive so in which case a sort of Tuesday Wednesday would be the best time to pitch I'd say but it's I yeah. think it's really important to find that out from each publication you're pitching to because I'm obviously only talking about us and everybody's different yeah yeah and is there a time of day that you kind of prefer is there is there a 
point in, in your the morning is a better because you know it's like everybody isn't it the first thing you do is log on and start plowing through your many emails and yeah deleting extensive amounts of emails and picking out the stuff you do want to read so and that's obviously a process that goes on throughout the day for everybody but I, I, I personally would like to see you know however many pitches in my inbox in the morning so I can have a think about those first thing and then when I have a discussion sort of mid-morning to lunchtime which is tend to be how we work then I've already got some ideas to talk about so that would be ideal but as I say clearly we're sort of reading stuff all through through the day so it doesn't matter really too much yeah um, one thing we get asked a lot is um, if you've not got a huge amount of experience in journalism, maybe you've only just graduated or perhaps you're still on a course. Um, does that make a difference to you? Would you still take a pitch from someone who hasn't got loads of published work elsewhere? Definitely. I think that's a really good question because I think, I mean, I've written myself for years. I've been freelance before. I know how intimidating it is to pitch to somebody that you don't know, regardless of the amount of experience you've got. So when you don't have very much experience at all, I think that, you know, that it's so intimidating thinking, should I even bother? Even if I've got a good idea, is this, is it worth it? And my answer to that would be, and obviously I'm only speaking in a personal capacity for the job that I do, would be yes, most definitely. Because one of the things that I really want to do and really like doing is trying out new people and it, and it is a bit of a gamble and I think sometimes people think newspapers god they're never going to try out somebody with very limited experience because you know they're on such tight deadlines and da 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 but there are things that can work can work and I would rather have new and fresh people in the paper sort of from time to time and not just be using the same people however excellent they are just because it's always good to have to have different ideas and often if, if I'm honest, most freelancers with little experience tend to be younger. And it's often very good, especially as you get older, as a commissioning editor, to have ideas from a different generation, shall we say, without trying to make myself sound too old. But, you know, we a lot of our reporters are of the sort of 40 plus generation, let's say. And, you know, so if somebody's pitching ideas and they're in their 20s, there might be diff very different things than we've thought about that we'd like to see in the paper. So, you know, so, for example, that can really work out. Um, I mean, I am having said all that. I'm a bit nervous if someone has never written before and can't show me examples of what of what they could do. I mean, that's there's obviously a fine line. I would like to be able to see some published work and you know some preferably some published newsier pieces rather than kind of long features if that's what they're pitching for. So I I, I would be slightly nervous, but I do like working with people and trying to develop ideas. And I've had some very good people just out of university um one one of whom we've used and who's done some really great reporting that sort of ended up in a piece that was on page two and three and you know was a kind of really bit of newsy reportage it was it was great um and he's been he's been working for a student newspaper for for his his um a time as an undergraduate but hadn't had, mu had much published beyond that but um yeah he's been great so i just say to people don't be put off i know it can be intimidating and you know at the end of the day we're not a nursery so I can't handhold all the way through <laughs> but I don't want people to be put off and I, I know that um I can sound intimidating people always say because I've got a deep voice I'm scary <laughs> <laughs> so I'd just like to say that I'm not and if people want to approach me 
<laughs> please do. So don't be put off, basically, but um, obviously come with a proper, fully formed idea, really, just like anybody else would have to. There's sort of no exceptions to that. So you, ideas, your idea's got to sing still. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's one of those, if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah, um, I think exactly. Yeah. What have you got to lose? At the end of the day, yeah. what you've got to lose, you might get ignored. Sorry, well, yeah, it's but, not something I like to do, but sometimes it happens. The worst thing that, that, yeah, exactly. The worst thing that happens is someone doesn't answer your email. And Jamie, because yeah. um, working for a trade publication, it's a bit more kind of niche and specialist. Do you struggle to find freelancers? Kind of how do you, um, where do you get your pool of freelancers from? Well, I mean, it's always been my sort of belief that, that if you can write news, you can write news and you know what a good news story is and you know what a good news angle is. Um, so I, I'm i not necessarily put off by people that haven't got experience in health, for example. Um, I think if you've shown yourself to have been a good news reporter, then I'm quite happy to take you on. So um, sometimes, but sometimes we do still have trouble finding freelancers. It is quite tough. Um, now, the way we are, it might be just our lack of organization but we often need freelance at last minute so that obviously makes it harder so the best freelancers are normally taken up um when it comes to sort of having to get somebody for the next day um so we do sometimes struggle um and as i said just it's just the way of the world that we're not we we don't necessarily have a list of freelance that we um that we work our way through sometimes it's just the one that we remember um so in that way i would uh, just sorry just to carry on with a couple of tips that I've list, uh, left out before but um, two things to try and get yourself up to make yourself thought of by the editor is um, firstly to um, to keep in contact when you're not working now I don't mean by saying have you got any work so I can think of a couple of freelancers who are excellent at just working somewhere else and said oh by the way I've come up uh, I've come up with this uh, we, we're, we're working on this story that might be useful for you if you ever want to uh, if you ever want to take it on um, that always you know keep somebody at the forefront of your mind it's something that, that you think oh well okay I remember them now um, and the other thing is and this might sound a little bit strange but just be amiable if you're coming into the office just be amiable um, you know um, I can think of a freelance I'm not going to say who they are but you know we use them because they're nice because we like them in the office not necessarily the, the best freelancer but you know everyone likes them around the office you know they'll bring biscuits in the morning stuff like that it does make a difference so all these things can sort of put you up to the top of the list so it's not so much that we struggle to find freelancers it's sometimes that we just don't have we don't have the organization to think of someone off the top of our head so if you do keep in touch with people that will always be a good thing obviously don't bug someone too much you know we're editors we're busy we don't want to have to be answering emails all the time but you know every couple of months it's always good to remind somebody that you're there because you will be put to the top of the list and there will be those times when those sort of last minute gigs do come up yeah I mean I've had quite a few experiences where I've pitched an idea to a publication or a couple of ideas and not heard anything and then all of a sudden they'll get back to me and say can you do a feature on this and it's something completely different but I was obviously just at the top of their mind because they'd just received a couple of emails from me mm. recently and and that's another thing so I mean I can't think of I can't think of pretty much any I can think of one or two features that we've actually taken on so we're a team of five people you know we're all good people we're all good journalists and we work in such a small area that actually we've probably thought about every feature that 
we could. That so there are times when you get lucky and actually strike upon something that that um that the the team hadn't thought of. And if you do that, then brilliant. You know, you're going to get a commission out of that. But most of the time, if you just if you pitch something to me, a uh, feature to me, an investigation, chances are that we've already done it, or there's a reason we haven't done it. But again, you'll be put at the top of the list for the next investigation. It will show that you understand what the the publication is all about and that you know what an investigation is for that publication as well. So yeah, that I can see how that happens all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you say about being unorganised. I mean, sometimes you need a freelancer because someone's ill or someone moved jobs quickly. Like it's just, you know, sometimes you do need to just kind of draw on that resource really quickly. That's exactly it. But I'm talking about in terms of um, our freelance, it might be something that we should be better on. But, you know, um, our list of freelancers, you know, you just fall off. People just fall off. You know, you don't remember them. Um, Sometimes, like I said, it's just who you can think of on the top of your head. Yeah, so it's like it's that keeping in contact, um, and yeah, keeping like you say in someone's memory so that they remember to come to you. That's a nice little segue because I wanted to ask Lisa um, something here about um, follow-up emails and um, to pitches. So if someone um, has sent you a pitch and maybe you've not been able to get back to them, um, would you expect them to follow up? And kind of how soon? would you be expecting that yeah um that's always a tricky one as well isn't it i think because i I guess this is probably one of those where every editor is different whereas pitches are a bit more uniform in terms of how you should do them so my personal take on that is that um i think you should always pitch again if you haven't heard back i wouldn't pitch more than twice with the same idea however because i think it and again it's just using personal experience but I think it's unlikely an editor wouldn't have read that if you would pitched it twice so if you've pitched it twice and I'd say twice in a week I mean it's different for me as well with news because it tends to be that pitches don't roll over they maybe work that week and they don't work the next week so I guess I don't get people repeatedly coming back week after week but maybe the next week I do sometimes get oh I sent this to you last week to wondering what you think sort of thing but I think pitched twice in the same week if you don't get an answer leave it at least 24 hours don't pitch twice in the same day that seems a bit overkill but if you pitch on a Tuesday you don't hear back pitch it again on the Wednesday or the Thursday I mean you've obviously got to give yourself time to write it if I suddenly came back and went actually that's a really good idea I mean one of the issues we have is that we don't know what our pagination is until a Thursday night and then it changes on a can change on a Friday as well so often there's things that we've spotted that we think oh that would be quite good I don't know if we're gonna have room for that this week and we've parked them in our brain or in an email folder so it doesn't necessarily mean if you haven't heard that we don't like it so that's why it's worth sending us second pitch because it might be one of those things that I'm thinking oh yeah I did think that was quite good actually I wonder if we do have space and I might have more of an idea by a Thursday so I think it is worth coming back to do that what what I don't think really works is if people obviously pitch multiple times and then send emails saying things like oh you haven't replied can can you reply to this you haven't replied which does happen a lot and then internally my answer is no 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 because it's you can obviously as the week goes on with a weekly tend to feel slightly more stressed so if someone is then harassing you to give them an answer it's it's it, it doesn't work very well but I think people generally know that And to be honest, the same with phoning up. I mean, this is, again, different people will say different things. And some people will say, I can't get through all my emails. I can't read them all. You're much better just phoning. 
that's not my personal take on it. I'd rather somebody didn't chase, chase, chase with a phone call. It's not a no, no, but it's just, that's my personal preference. I'd rather somebody just emailed a second time and gave it another go. And I do try and re reply to pitches, especially if I think they're a good pitch, but they don't work that week or they don't work because we've done something similar. Or So if I think it's good, I try and reply and say, this is, this is really good, but it's just not going to really work for us this week. Or we've got, you know get in touch again and I do try and do that in fact I can't always so it doesn't mean that it's 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 hopeless if you haven't heard but I think yeah so I think it's worth kind of you know pursuing that really and I think as you were saying earlier Emma sometimes people pitch things and in the back of your mind you're thinking oh that's good but don't have room but you bear them in mind for other things so if your pitches just fall into the abyss and you just think there's this is pointless no one's ever replying to me I, I, th I think it's not always the case that that you're forgotten basically I think sometimes news editors have your name in mind as oh they're pretty good at pitching stuff really shame they're not really working for this week but I think you know it's again it's 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 probably a rarity but it's not you know it is something that I've done before where I've contacted people and I've realised that's their specialism or that's the thing that I think they might be good at and actually I've got an idea that they might be able to deliver so so basically do do persist yeah be remembered for being persistent but not annoying. That's, that's exactly it. And I know that's really difficult because it's such a fine line, isn't there? And as I say, it's totally different to different editors. So what I might find is just like, you know, good dogged persistence, but not annoying. Another person might find annoying. So it is a bit, you know, it's you've just got to suck it and see, really. Yeah, I mean, one as a freelancer, it can obviously you're working for lots of different people and it can be quite isolating sometimes. Um, Jamie, is it OK to ask for feedback if you're a freelancer and you want to know if you're doing what they want if you're doing the right thing is it okay to ask for feedback on the stuff that you're delivering i mean from my point of view i think it is a personal thing but absolutely yeah i'm more than happy to provide feedback um i say it's work experience people as well actually you know you you should be asking for feedback but in terms of freelancing yes as well i mean you want to know where you were where you went right and where you went wrong and also to me that shows that you've actually care about it as well um i think almost as importantly, it shows that you care about what you were doing. Um, you want to you want to show someone that you can improve. So yeah, I completely agree with uh, completely agree with asking for feedback, and I'd be more happy to give it. And I think it might take me a bit of time, but I think it's probably worth it for both parties. Excellent. That's what I like to hear. I mean, um, we are going to move on now to our listener dilemma of the week, which is. Actually, a really, this wasn't planned this way, but it is a very apt one for this week. So this is a new section of the podcast where we put your questions to our guests and fix a problem that you've been having or just give our thoughts on something that you've been pondering. Yeah, so this week again, we've got one from our Facebook community and this is from Paige Lyman. And she says that she's currently editing a story. Um, basically, she's submitted the story um, and then she's had it back with some comments. Um, she's done those edits and sent it back again. Um, but it's been 10 days since she sent those edits back. Um, and she's never been in that position where she's kind of had to wait so long. So she's not quite sure what to do, whether she should keep chasing or she should just hang on and, and wait and see. Um, so I just wondered, um, perhaps Lisa, if if you could give your thoughts on this, if you have sort of answered those queries that an editor's come back with, and then you've still not heard anything, should you be chasing them? God, I think so, absolutely. I mean, I think that must just be really frustrating. 
I mean, I just, it's not a scenario that I'm really familiar with because we tend to commission for that week. It's if something, if, you know, obviously I send copies, copy back to have another edit and put stuff in. But then if it's not working, it's kind of, it's kind of not working for us. And so then we have to sort out, a, you know, whatever the scenario might be. It either has to roll on to the next week if it if it's possible to roll on to the next week, which is always our preference. So there's a bit more time to work on it or we have to sort out the kill fee or something like that. So I'm not really familiar with something where you send it back and that it's like 10 days and you don't hear anything. But I, if, I, if it was me as a writer, so going back to when I've been in that position, I would keep, yeah, I would keep um, asking, you know, every couple of days, you know, just checking on what that, whether, you know, what you think of the copy that I sent back as requested. I think that's, you know, that's not, that's not sort of harassing anybody. That's just reasonable. At the end of the day, it's your um, livelihood and you're, and you want to know whether it's working or not. If it's not working, what the problem is, you know, you just basically want to know the outcome. And so for me, it's entirely reasonable to keep asking about that until you get an answer. But um as I say, it's not something rolling on for a long time. It's not really something that I've had to deal with. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is quite cheeky, but if I, so I do work for quite a lot of publications that are monthly or they're planning quite far in advance. If I haven't heard anything after a while or after chasing, I would just send, I'm assuming everything's okay with that copy. Here's my invoice. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm done <laughs> now. Pay me. If, you, if you've gone through the process, basically, if you file a piece, the piece has some edits in it that need doing. You complete those edits, then you then then in my view, the editor should then have a conversation with you about whether those edits are sufficient or not, or whether there's something still lacking in the copy, and then they have to take a view on whether whether you can ever rectify what's lacking, basically. And I think in sort of ninety nine, you know, maybe not that many, but most cases, it's rectifiable by a, a decent writer. They just might have to go back at it another time or. As is often the case, the editor just thinks, I'll just do this myself, it's much quicker. Whatever the outcome, whatever the solution is, it should be by the time you send it, sent it back after the first edit, you, you should be fine to get an answer on what's going to happen with that. So if you don't hear, I think your um, tactic of saying, oh, here's the invoice is also perfectly reasonable enough, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, Jamie, would you agree with that? Oh, completely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's bizarre behaviour from the editor, first of all. I mean, I'm like, why give a deadline if you're not going to come back with um, feedback within 10 days of receiving the correction? So, um, yeah, completely harass, harass all you like in this case, I would say. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's completely different to, to receiving a pitch or, or, um, or in our case, receiving dozens and dozens of emails from PRs. You've got every right to expect an answer on this. Um, and to know if there's anything else that needs to be done as well. Um, I would suggest that if, if you've already done the corrections asked for, then anything above that should probably be paid, I would suggest, um, uh, as long as the corrections have, done correct, have been done right. But yeah, it's completely fair enough to ask in, in that case. And I think, again, I think your tactic of um, uh, submitting an invoice is absolutely fine in that case, Emma. Yeah, I mean, this did ha happen to me with one publication who, I mean, there was months between me submitting some copy and then then getting back to me because they'd had a change of heart about how they wanted this to work and asked for some more rewrites, but they agreed to pay me. Yeah, and um, I wasn't because it, it. <laughs> No, it wasn't, no. <laughs> no. I mean, um, I have to say I have done that before where, and, and it's often because obviously we're dealing with news, the story has changed slightly sometimes, or if you if you can't fit it in, I mean, that's the main thing that happens is we, we don't then have space for what we've commissioned because we have to take a bit of a gamble on how much to commission at the beginning of the week. 
and then the, when we get our flat plan the pagination is different and we just can't fit everything in so it's quite common for us to roll stuff until the following week and then sometimes the story has changed or needs to be changed and if it needs to be changed with no fault of the freelancer then we'd obviously sort of pay their time or work lineage to to compensate for that so that that that's quite common i think but um you know i think there's a fair, a fair way to deal with that yeah i mean i should say that Paige did get back to us and say she did get a response in the end but we we thought it was a useful um scenario because a lot of people have that sort of similar problem i've actually got a situation at the moment with something i filed um over a month ago now and i'm still waiting for them to publish it and i haven't got a date it's a feature so it's not timely but you know, I'm like, well, do I just send my invoice in then? Because there probably are going to be some edits, but they haven't even got to that point. So it, it is a situation that we do find ourselves in um, quite a lot. Yeah. And just just to one last thing on that point from, from my point of view is that actually I think I might be a bit harsh on editors because I can see a t uh, case cases where that happens. But um, Emma, I'm thinking about a piece that you filed as well um, in February, um, which was a fantastic piece, a cover feature. Obviously, um, February is a very different world to, to what it is now. We just haven't been able to use that at all. Um, and that will happen. But obviously, you still deserve. You know, well, you did pay me for it. And also, you know, there's that little matter of a global pandemic that got in the way. <laughs> the there, are, there are some pretty good excuses, aren't there? Global pandemic. <laughs> yeah. OK, excellent. So um, oh, it's been really good to chat to you both. I think it's time to bring this episode to a close. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom from the other side of the aisle. Yeah, it's been really, it's been really helpful and it's been really good to know that the kind of advice we've been giving um, is in line with, with the things that you're saying as well. If our listeners would like to know more about us, um, including finding out about our new newsletter, then head to freelancingforjournalists.com or follow us on Twitter at freelancing4. You can also follow us individually. So I'm at Emma Journo. And I'm at Lily Cantor. And don't forget to join our Freelancing for Journalists Facebook community. We've so many people joining there recently um, where you can find lots more tips and advice. And if you do want to join, can you please answer the questions so I can tell that you're a real person? This is taking up too much of my time. <laughs> yes, particularly the one about uh, agreeing to the rules. Yes, um, please. You just need to write, yes, I agree. That'd be really helpful. If you appreciate this podcast or you found it useful, you can buy us a virtual cuppa to say thanks. And our coffee page is on our pinned tweet. Um, and we're getting lots of new listeners all the time. Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe to the podcast because that helps people find us. In fact, and we say this often, but it really would be super helpful. The most useful thing you could do is leave us a review. Yes. And one more thing is we want to say a big thank you to our producer, Richard Wilson, who sorts out any edits for us. And next week we will be talking about uh, writing for specialist publications. So bye for now. Goodbye.